everyone. Welcome to the CSF Rheumatology Author Interview Podcast. My name is Professor Peter Nash from the Griffith University in beautiful downtown Brisbane. And today we're very fortunate to be joined by Professor Stanley Cohen, who is a clinical professor in the Department of Internal Medicine and co-director of the Division of Rheumatology from the UT Southwestern Medical Center and Presbyterian Hospital in Dallas. Hi, Stanley, and welcome. And thank you so much for giving up some of your time. No, happy to do it, Peter. Thank you for having me. So uh, we're going to talk today about a recently published paper in a journal called the British Journal of Rheumatology, now called Rheumatology. It's about the assessment of radiographic progression in patients with RA treated with tofacitinib in the long-term study. So before we dive straight in, Stanley, the COVID situation in, in your neck of the woods has calmed down and things have returned to near normal? That is correct. Things are, I mean, and the genie's been let out of the bottle. You, you can't get in a restaurant. You can't uh, get any, the, everything is packed. Uh, and, uh, you know, so even the Texans, which are not the smartest people in the world, uh, many of them have been vaccinated. So it's, it's actually pretty surreal. Uh, it's almost yeah. back to normal. And, uh, you know, we, as you and I are we're still awaiting data, the early data we've seen about our patients and how they respond to the vaccine. And, uh, uh, we'll learn a lot more about that over the next year. But yes, no, we're in, we're, you know, being a wealthy country, at least for today, uh, we're in good shape. Okay. And the gorilla in the room, whenever we discuss tofacitinib, is the oral surveillance uh, study. What's the feeling in the US? Has it affected the Jack class and has it affected TOFA in particular? Because all we have is a press release, we don't have a peer reviewed publication. Right, and that should be coming very shortly. Um, um, we do know the EMA PRAC committee came out last week with their recommendations, which was, to my understanding, was just specific to tofacitinib and recommended that they not, it not be used in 65 and older patients, uh, patients who are smoker or have cancer risk and CV risk. So when we're waiting on the US FDA uh, to come out with their interpretation of the data and what further warnings there may be and whether it'll be a class effect or whether it would be specific to tofacitinib. I think there's been some uh, caution and, and slowing down and blunting of the adoption of the field. I think these uh, JAK inhibitors, as we mentioned before, is have a very narrow window of uh, safety. It's dose related. We looked at, we go back to the phase one, two programs, much higher doses of tofacitinib, upatacitinib, baricitinib, all of which went by the wayside because they had toxicity issues when they had a great deal more efficacy. So um, uh, I think we have to be cognizant of that. The 10 milligram BID dose, which actually made up the majority of the patients in this study will never uh, be approved uh, in uh, inflammatory rheumatic diseases uh, because it probably is too toxic based on the VTE signal. And now this uh, imbalance compared to TNF inhibitors in high risk patients you know, it's the relative risk was increased. The absolute risk is not much greater than we would have expected, but there is an imbalance. So uh, I think uh, right now we're for the healthy rheumatoid patient, 50 year old, 40 year old, minor comorbidities, JAK inhibitors are wonderful therapies. But I think for yeah. now in our patients who are elderly with comorbidity, <clears throat> caution is uh, indicated. Okay, because we get lots of calls from the gastros who are now looking at 10 BD in their UC patients. Have they been after you for advice? Yeah, we're getting some information, you know, some of that, but you know, the gastroenterologists think they know everything, so they don't call us often. Uh, <laughs> they also generally have a younger population of patients, so it's less of an issue 
to them uh, than it is to us who have patients with a median age in their low to, low to mid 50s. Okay, excellent. So let's just talk a little about this paper. Um, it's looking at x-ray progression, RA, long-term. Can you tell us how the study was performed? Which, which of the TOFA studies were included? Right, so there were three studies. One was a very small phase two study that looked at radiographic outcomes. The larger studies were the oral START study, which were the DMARD naive patients, uh, methotrexate naive patients who received five or 10 milligram BID monotherapy compared to methotrexate. And the other was the oral scan, which was combination with background methotrexate, uh, which was the primary x-ray outcome study. So at the end of those studies, uh, 24 months, uh, patients could go into the oral sequel trial, which was the long-term extension study. And x-rays were obtained in some of the patients uh, over time. It was hoped there would be more patients. About a third of the patients, 35% uh, who went into the long-term extension trial had x-rays uh, at, at the entry to the trial in 36 months uh, later. So uh, patients from the radiographic outcome trials who ended up in the long-term extension. And, uh, you know, these are difficult trials to do because patients drop out for various reasons. Uh, they don't go get their x-rays done. You don't, you know, you don't have the values that you need to really give you a picture of what's going on. And so the, the take-home message was and is that if you have a patient on tofacitinib who is doing well and stays on therapy over three years, there's very little x-ray progression. We're talking about one modified uh, sharp score change over three years. So we can't really deal with the, the dropouts and loss to follow-up, you know, who, who you know, certainly could make the data look worse. So, but that's not really the message here. The message is it, it, just like any of our therapies. If your patient stays on adalimumab, if your patient stays on a tenorcept um, and they continue to do well, they will not have progression of radiographic damage. And that's the important thing that we learned from with the JAK inhibitors. Uh, clearly, if a patient has active disease, they may progress uh, their radiographs. So two issues. We do very few radiographs now. Um, ultrasound is, is very popular and the odd MR. Is x-ray really just an FDA requirement these days? Are you doing them regularly in your clinic? No. No, we're not checking x-rays in clinic. We, yeah. we will check an x-ray in a patient who has persistent synovitis or ultrasound. Um, the FDA has not yet embraced MRI as a clinical trial tool to document uh, you know, maintenance of the integrity of the joint. Uh, the ACR put a large exercise together two, three years ago. I've lost track of time to look at the MRI experience and try to push it. Uh, I tell, you know, I right before this call, I got off a call of a, a small biotech company that's looking at doing a phase one study. And, and we talked, I would never do an x-ray outcome study anymore. I would do a small MRI study in phase one or phase two if you can prove to me that you can prevent bone edema, uh, synovitis erosions over a short period of time, that's all I need to know. Uh, yeah. If you can't, then we have a problem. But I think the cost of x-ray outcome studies and the fact that we see so little progression in clinical trials, it's, a, I think, a huge waste of money. Yep, agree. So in this study, you did split them into two different doses, and you also split them into monotherapy and combination. Can you just tell us a little bit about those two things? So uh, unfortunately, the majority of patients in the trials are on 10 milligram BID, which I've already started out telling you is not going to be utilized uh, no. in the future. Uh, so it was almost 85% of the patients. Uh, the small number of people on five milligrams BID did not progress. And it looked to be when you take a look um, at the curves over time, 
probability plots that there was really no difference uh, between monotherapy and combination therapy. And I think that's helpful information. It's uh, uh, helpful to know that because we know that 30 to 40% of people on JAK inhibitors are on monotherapy. They prefer monotherapy. They do well on monotherapy. Uh, so I, I certainly encourage all of us to monitor, monitor those patients very closely. And if there is synovitis, we may want to do some type of imaging. But at least the data in this study in a small number of people suggested there was no difference. Interesting because nearly every study says combo is a little more effective than mono. But like you say, there's that 30% who methotrexate's not tolerated or contraindicated. And the, the jacks occupy that mental therapy space very nicely. And again, um, this was also just to, just to reiterate, these are, these are the survivors. These are the winners on because they're continuing on it. So uh, probably a, it's a population that is doing well and will continue to do well. Excellent. Um, any plan to keep this going for any longer or has it already gotten past its use by date? Because you've got some patients out to five years in this study. Yeah, no, it's over now. Uh, the oral sequel study was uh, truncated after some patients on the drug as long as nine years, but a uh, mean of about six, seven years. So that study is completed. So there should not be any further data. And, and the numbers are going to drop off over time. I'm not sure there'll be any further useful information. Yeah. And uh, um, I noticed that at each end of the probability plot, there's just a few patients that seem to drive the, the significance, but we don't really see any tail down the beginning, which might suggest any healing of erosion. It's the, you know, every now and then you see these people way down one end who sort of drive right. the difference. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we've all looked for that and hoped that there was something we could do to you know, heal erosions or improve joint space narrowing. I'm not sure that's a real phenomenon. No, okay. So thank you so much. It's um, a very nice little study uh, for what it did and for, for what you um, aim to achieve out of it. Um, you've given us the take-home message for the rheumatologists. We greatly appreciate that. Thank you again for your time. If you'd like to know more about this paper and others uploaded to the CSF website this month, you can get detailed slide sets are available in the publication section at cytokinesignaling.com. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or other podcast media and give us some feedback and let us know what you think. Thank you so much, Stanley. We know you're busy. We'll let you head back to uh, your um, afternoon's work. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Good seeing you. Thanks. Peter.